Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are the Sports Plebes. I'm Nate Dar with my co-host Joe Timler, our producer Matt Arnold. Today we'll be touching on COVID-19 pandemic, our biggest winners and losers if the current NBA season does not continue. Going over thoughts on episode five and six of The Last Dance, as well as our gambling insider Brian O'Connor, his thoughts on the pandemic as a resident of New York City. We'll also talk horse racing with him, something he's had some success with during a time when sports betting and many other forms is on hold. And finally, we'll wrap up with Joe's Bets of the Week and the social media story of the day. Joe, Matt, how are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, first of all, I'll let you know that I'm drinking a beer. You, you would love it. It's called uh, Two Hopper IPA. It's got an old school baseball picture on it. So it's kind of like Two Hopper as in, you know, a an infield play mixed with an IPA pun. It's, it's great. <laughs> I'm nice. also great. I've also been drinking, so this should be a lot of fun tonight. What are you drinking, Matt? Uh, it's pretty lame. It's not as cool as you. Stephanie bought a bunch of wine, so. Is uh, <laughs> okay, it from a box? No, no. It's a, it's a bottle, but it's, it's, it's pretty lame, so. Nate, what are you doing? I'm drinking a vodka orange juice, and I had a couple IPAs from Greenbush, um over on the south side today actually i was there doing some grocery shopping so stopped in um yeah do you guys want to just get right into it uh thoughts on covid19 i could let you guys lead off or what yeah, do you guys yeah sorry you guys? I, I know drinks alcoholic drinks are a little more important than covid but we, we can definitely get to that as well um <laughs> yeah no I, it's starting it's not i wouldn't say it's starting to feel more normal but i definitely can see normalcy inside if that makes sense um we had things open you know the hair salons barbers library open up this week here in texas monday tomorrow the gyms are opening up at limited capacity i went blackberry picking the other day we're going to uh, my brother's in New Orleans for his my, our niece's baptism this weekend. So there's definitely like more normal things going on. Um, so I'm hopeful just personally, which is nice. Uh, Nate, you got anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, pretty much the same. I feel like Indiana and Texas are both more conservative states. They're definitely more on the side of beginning to open things up um, than anybody else. You know, like I said, I was shopping earlier today. Um, you know, driving around, it looks like some restaurants are busier. Uh, we noticed the Hacienda parking lot was full, uh, yesterday. And, uh, I, and several of my friends, my wife went to a, a bar around the corner from our house and sat on the patio early this week. We're the only people there, um, until we were about to leave and an older couple came and sat down, but, uh, it definitely seems like it'll be slower for a while at least until more and more people want to venture out whenever that is, whenever, you know, whenever you're comfortable, I guess that's my thing. You know, I can't fault anybody for not wanting to come out right now. I understand. And even when we're out, we're still wearing masks and stuff, but you know, I mean, yeah, just hoping and praying the, the curve flattens more as, as well. And um, as well as less people becoming ill as hopefully the weather improves. Um, people start going outside more which it seems like they will uh i know we're going to continue social distancing for the most part me and my family still haven't gone to see my grandparents since this all began um but yeah i mean it doesn't seem like it'll go back to like the way it was before anytime in the near future so you can just kind of take take everything as it comes and and hope that uh hope that it stays like this and it doesn't get worse. And then, you know, they have to, you know, people would start talking about, are we going to lock down again? You know? So I guess that's my thing. I just hope, I just hope it slowly opens up. We do it right. Carefully, slowly. And we don't have to risk, you know, them being like, should we, should we think about shutting down again? Cause I don't think that'll be a very good conversation for a lot of these small businesses, no. especially if they just opened up a couple weeks ago, you know, sort of thing. But yeah, those are my, that's my thoughts. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good attitude to have. You, you can't just be like, oh, we don't have live sports. We can't go to a, a concert with thousands of people. You can't get down about that kind of thing. You have to get happy about kind of the small victories. Like you're saying, you know, I went to a bar with my 
wife and friends like that's that's a small victory you have to celebrate because you couldn't do that a month ago so i think that's a good attitude to have about things yeah, yeah. it was it was fun it was it was nice to get outside sorry man did i cut you off no no i was just gonna say it'll be interesting to see what happens you know because we're just hearing about south korea and with the uh this kind of the fears of the second wave happening there for a country that had been so good about shutting everything down um it'll be kind of interesting to see how it plays out here i think a lot of people are pretty restless and ready to get out and do things and travel and just looking at the travel numbers too you can compare you know the the previous year and how much travel has started to increase even since last month um and it's even you know doubling um since just a few weeks ago so people are definitely eager to get out and and start moving around so hopefully things don't uh have to go back to where they were i know i plan on jumping on a flight next month and and (laughs) chicago and getting up to some uh some mischief uh, in a safe way in a safe way that works out we'll see yeah we're hoping really really hoping that works out and we can all get a cabin together or something yeah it'll be fun Uh, Anyway, That's we an got, insider joke. Yeah, we you got have to get the premium content to get that one. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about tonight, so while we move on, we'll go ahead and start up next topic. I think we want to talk about if the NBA season is canceled, who are the biggest winners and losers of this? So this is this is why I wanted to talk about this too, because I think out of any of the leagues, it has the highest risk of being canceled out of any of the professional sports leagues. Um, because because of everything. I mean, if it had proceeded as scheduled we would have been in what the the first or the second round of the playoffs today. I know the playoffs would have started, right? I don't know exactly where we would be point being, but it seems also like Adam Silver has a hundred percent say on when and how the league resumes. This makes it different to me than the NFL, certainly the MLB. And that there seems to be more of a power struggle in those leagues as to who's actually in charge, who's going to make these decisions. I don't think the NFL is is looking at their commissioner, Roger Goodell, as the beacon of leadership right now, the way that the NBA is, frankly. Um, So I think they're going to, you know, it's all going to be on Adam Silver how and when he wants to determine what the best course of action it is to proceed, whether that's just starting the playoffs, getting like a 10, 15 game schedule out out of the way before you start the playoffs. We know the Warriors are basically already checked out right now. Um, but yeah, that's my thing. So do you want to, do you want to lead off with, uh, I don't know. We can start with winners, Joe. Do you have anybody in particular you want to talk about at the get go? Yeah. I think you just mentioned one of the big winners, right? Being the, the golden state warriors they are already looking towards next year. They'd be perfectly happy with their, what, 18 and 55 record, something like that. Just to, to, to go next year, get a high draft pick, get everyone healthy, get Curry, get Draymond, get clay up and going and I, I they could I could see them being contender in the 2021 season so they'd be pretty happy about that yes I definitely have them as my number one I'm pulling up the NBA standings right now and they are yeah 15 and 50 they have the worst record in the NBA so that's that's the thing if the if technically they would have the best chances of winning the lottery in the number one um yeah I, baby baby ball is that who the, the projected number one is at this point baby ball is definitely going to be yeah. the number one pick unless it's something crazy happens um i just i don't see it not being baby ball but anyway you know i mean yeah it's it's looking essentially like they were going to take a year off anyway um because of the injury to clay thompson mm-hmm. uh, like i said steve kerr already said that the warriors were essentially operating as if the season was over Shows what we already know. Steph Curry went down, I believe it was week two or three, and they really mailed it in since then. Um, I could probably do a whole separate podcast on Draymond Green and his lack of play, right, this season and how anybody that wants to sit there and say, oh, this guy, you know, belongs in the discussion, even with somebody like Charles Barkley, who he's taking shots at. It's, you know, (laughs) it's become clear this year, I think to me at least, and to everybody, I would assume, that he's the ultimate guy. Like when you have the two greatest shooters of all time around you, there's going to be a lot more opportunities. I still think he's an all-star caliber player. And at the end of the day, he will be in the Hall of Fame one day, especially if they win another two or whatever championships when right. they get their core back healthy. He will be, you know, he's already probably going to be a Hall of Famer. 
based off what he's done so far. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous to me that they could end up with the number one overall pick in the draft and just go into next season roaring with a healthy core that essentially has never lost in, you know, Clay, Steph, and Draymond Green, and then add a lottery pick or the number one overall pick in the draft. I mean, they, right. they're in prime position to take advantage of the situation, especially if it was canceled. They essentially wouldn't have missed a finals if the season is canceled, which is insane. Um, yeah, I agree. Golden State Warriors, definitely number one. Um, do you have another winner that you had in mind? I do. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely the New Jersey Nets. Oh, um, okay. I have know, in a year, uh, very much like the Warriors, they were looking to the future. Seems like a perfect excuse to throw away a season that, frankly, it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. Even with a healthy Kyrie Irving, when he was healthy on the court, they didn't feel like they were going to compete with, say, the Bucks or the Raptors even, I would argue. And I definitely don't think that they would beat them in a seven-game series, even if Durant was 100% healthy um, with this team, personally. So, yeah, I have, the, I have the Warriors and the Nets as my two big winners in all of this. Um, you got anybody else? Um, kind of in a similar vein with the Warriors, I guess would be the Spurs. Maybe I, you know, they're going to get a top five pick. They still have some talent with Aldridge and DeRozan. Um, they still have Popovich. Uh, so I, I could see them pulling some strings and getting back in to at least the playoff picture in the next year. Cause this year, you know, it's kind of a lost year for them. So I, I don't think they would be too upset about everything getting canceled in San Antonio. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And people forget that they were a, they lost to the Denver Nuggets in a seven-game series last year when they were the eighth seed. I mean, that's insane that Popovich almost pulled that off with, yeah, when the Nuggets ended up going to the Western Conference Finals were clearly a better team top to bottom than the Spurs. Right. Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great pick for a team that would love. I don't know. Uh, the one counter to that I would make is Popovich is getting up there. So yeah, he is one of the coaches they have highlighted that when they do thing kick things off again, he's one of the guys who are like, I think he's his he's the least above sixty five. I was gonna guess he's seventy one. Yeah, oh, so I, think, I got it, I got it. Yeah, did you? Is he seventy one? And he's actually for, he was born in Indiana, East Chicago, Indiana. Really? No yeah. shit. I had I had no idea. That's incredible. Let's, let's claim him. Let's claim him as a Hoosier. Even yeah, though that's definitely more, get more Chicago than Indiana. But yeah, yeah, definitely that's... get to claim him as a Hoosier based off of that being born in the region and all, even though, um, okay. No, he actually, he, he went to Maryville High School, though, so that's that's legit Indiana. No, that's Maryville. legit Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, do you want to go over the losers now? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure we can all think of the big one. Um, yeah, just say it. It's the L.A. Lakers and LeBron James specifically. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the reality that even as he battles father time, not unlike Tom Brady right now, we all understand he'll eventually lose. Um, it feels like this is the last stop in his career. I can't see him going anywhere else after this. Right. It seems like he came here to make playoff runs, have the Lakers be able to attract talent through the Lakers with set up this next stage of his career he was looking at what Kobe Bryant was beginning to do you know I think yeah. in a lot of ways and was like that's really smart and I can go to LA and win championships you know so I mean he was at worst going to finish second in MVP voting <laughs> that was worse that was a worst case scenario for him he was, he was going to finish second he still might have been able to steal it from Giannis um, right. I don't think he was going to I think Giannis was just a freight train this year um but it's definitely a missed opportunity for the Lakers franchise. Um, and it's potential, potentially legacy, sorry, I think, for LeBron. If he does start to break down, if they cancel this season and he was to begin to break down next year or even two years from now, this would be one of those what-if NBA moments that was looked back on. Like, what if, you know, you, you, can't just, you can't just assume that they're going to be the exact same team and be in first place in the Western Conference next year. That is not fair to assume, especially, like I said, with the Warriors coming back strong. Um, and it's, to me, I guess it was, uh, 
was almost cruel the way the Last Dance documentary drops and reminded everyone to talk far. He still had to go to catch Michael Jordan. You know, to me, when right. watching that, that was that's part of one of the things I've been thinking about. It's like, ooh, in my mind, I thought he was closer than he actually is. Is the reality of it? You know. Yeah, and kind of thinking of that Last Dance parallel there. I mean, given his age, what he's thirty five, thirty six. That's pretty much how old Jordan was during the last dance season. So think about that season getting canceled because of some sort of pandemic and Jordan doesn't get, you know, the second three peat. That would have been huge for his legacy to not get that 98 title. Um, and, and LeBron's kind of in the, the same age bracket, probably even worse, right? Cause he didn't play three years of college where it's less minutes than three NBA seasons with playoffs. So LeBron has even more miles than, than Jordan did at this age. So, it's definitely a huge blow if, if this gets canceled for LeBron. Yeah, that's a fast. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about that. The sheer minutes, the volume of minutes that LeBron has had on his body, as opposed to Michael Jordan, who took what a season and a half off to play baseball as well. And I'm not. I know he was a professional athlete. That's incredible. That's a whole. You know, we'll talk that. Those episodes are coming up in the yeah. last dance, and uh, it's incredible to think that he was able to do that. And that he was, they it, not to spoil too much, but they go over the fact that he hit north of 200 in double A ball after coming over just rough as could be, not having played any sort of organized baseball in 13 years. Right. As a, a 30 something year old man and was able to hit fastballs. And then by the end of the year had corrected his swing enough that he was, you know, Terry Francona was saying that he thinks he would have made it to the bigs, but um, yeah, I digress. That's, yeah. No, know. but yeah, Jordan was playing 40 games a year at North Carolina where when LeBron was playing a hundred games a year with playoffs in, in Cleveland when he was 18, 19, 20. And that, that's a huge difference. So I think, I mean, I think we're in agreement there. Yeah. Um, I have the other team in LA. As a big ah, loser. Clippers, okay. Yeah. Now, here's my argument for this. I know that it doesn't – you don't have this impending sense of the clock ticking for them, but they do still because they only signed two-year contracts. Right. Why and Paul George both basically forced their way to L.A. Because imagine if that story leaks after. Like, well, they wanted to come to L.A., but the Clippers didn't want to make a godfather offer for Paul George, so mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard wouldn't come they would get murdered for that. They would get rightfully destroyed for that. You know, and I mean, ownership has invested a ton of money into new facilities um, and the team as a whole and the pressure is to win. Now they were second in the Western conference finals. And this is the, this is kind of the fascinating subplot about this. This is again, why I really wanted to talk about this. So the city of LA as of now is, I believe shut down through August. Yeah, um, they're being very aggressive, as, as L.A. would be. Yes. Yes. So well, even if basketball was to come back by the end of this month, um, or not not even, let's say, let's say by the end of next month, right. let's say by the end of June, that doesn't do anything for the, either of those teams. They have to find a new place to play. And I understand they weren't going to play in an arena in front of fans, but it just adds the difficulty of the logistics of this whole thing for the NBA commissioner, you know? Right. Um, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with that bubble theory, right? Where we send them all to Vegas, send them all to Florida, wherever, and just have all the players kind of in a compound, very isolated, just playing games. Um, and I, yeah, I doubt that it would happen in LA, even though that seems like an ideal spot for it, but it's like you said, it's shut down. Yeah. So I, and why worry about that? I do, because I don't know that modern day players will take to that as well as guys would have taken, might've taken to that before. It's really going to have to be sold to them. I think that they are, you know, coming to bring hope to America almost. And I think if they do it and there are guys that end up just being like, no, I'm not doing it. The pay is reduced or, whatever i think that i believe they will be derided for that you know personally and i think there will be people that do that and i can't personally blame you that much if that's going to be your decision because i don't know what i would do we're in that i in that position of power that they are frankly you know i mean the power is with the players today i think we understand that 
Um, so yeah, I have the Milwaukee Bucks also as a loser. Uh, I think part of the problem is that we talked about this for a bit when we were putting the fork knife the other night. So I think our lists are pretty well aligned. But yeah, go on, Bucks. I'll have one little. I I think I'll throw you a curveball here with the one, the last part that we'll talk about. But yeah, you, the Bucks. I mean, it's Giannis. We understand it's a small market. Um, wherever he chooses to continue his career after this last contract, I believe he will win championships. Oh yeah, I think that he's that talented, and he will go down, you know, in the the pure, the pantheon of of NBA greats. And I don't know where he'll rank at the end of it all, but I just, if I had to bet money, I would bet that Giannis will win a championship before it's all said and done, and probably multiple. So losing a year of this when you have him under contract in his prime, it's devastating, especially when they were first in the East. Um, add to that the fact that the the Nets we're looking at who you see the talent on the nets, but you understand that they're not looking at this season. They're not, you're not have to worry about the nets this year. You have to worry about them next year. Um, really it was the Raptors, the Kawhi less Raptors who have stunned everybody and basically didn't even have their wagon hitch. You know, they just kept right on. They're the two seed in the East as of today. Yeah. Um, oh, which is, they, believe me, they, they are featured in the bet of the week. So just hang right. on for the Raptors. I'm excited. Okay. Um. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to the Milwaukee Bucks? I'm sorry. I feel like I stole your thunder. No, there. no. I, I agree. I mean, I think Giannis will be just fine. But the Bucks is a franchise. Yeah. Another year lost. If he moves on, I, I think it's a big hit for the Bucks. Maybe not as big of a hit for Giannis, but um, you know, you got to look out for your brothers. Milwaukee is what a hundred miles away from from South Bend, so <laughs> I feel a little bit of regional pride in them, especially with Pat Connaughton from Notre Dame tearing things up over there. They are in the same conference as, you know, the Pacers and Bulls, which as weird as that is, are the two teams that you, you know, you both, I, I'm more of a casual NBA fan. And I know a lot of people would consider that to be lame. But the truth is I grew up and I was watching Reggie Miller and the Pacers and they had a bunch of down years. And then Derrick Rose came along and it was really hard to not root for Derrick Rose. I mean, it was an incredible story, youngest MVP ever. Um, up until this point, I think Giannis is now the youngest MVP ever. So at least that doesn't, it still stays. <laughs> Um, anyway, but now the Pacers have Oladipo who literally used to play pickup basketball with at IU occasionally. Yeah. Uh, It is one of my personal favorite players in the NBA, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, but it's hard not to root for the Bucks. They're a small market team. Like you said, Pat Connaughton, actually his parents used to come into the bar that I used to work at and they were some of the nicest, kindest people you'll ever meet. Um, and not to name drop, you know. But uh, that's why, even if they're from Boston, they were nice. That's amazing. They were so nice, dude. They were seriously some of the nicest people. They would tip ridiculously well. Um, very, very well, very well to do. Very well off. You could tell they were they were well taken care of. But yeah, yeah, it's some of the kindest, kindest individuals I've definitely um, ever met working there. So yeah, it's it's tough to not root for the Bucks. I mean. They haven't had success since he was named Lou Alcindor. You have yeah. to think about that. You know, I mean. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Do you think you want to squeeze in a little bit of last dance talk before we have Brian call in? I know. We're, we're right up against it. Um, so, yeah, let's go last dance episode five. Uh, I mean, Kobe was the special guest. Everyone was excited to see that episode, rightfully so. Um, I did notice there was a David Stern appearance. Um Sure I love us. Yeah. He, he's the greatest sports commissioner in modern times as abrasive and controversial as he may have been. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, I think that running a major sports corporation like that, you have to be Kobe to me thinking about his, just his basketball career. You have to think about how special he really was, you know, looking at through the lens of that, how close him and Jordan were. Mm-hmm. Now in retrospect, we see that Jordan broke down at his memorial service we understand that in a lot of ways, Jordan would never actually give his blessing and say something like this was the closest that they ever came to me. But you can, you can almost see that, that he understands how Kobe never would never touched Michael, I think as in the basketball pantheon, but he was reaching for him certainly. And that is, you know, something to be commended. And he's certainly one of the top 10, definitely top five greatest players of all time. But yeah. 
Um, yeah, and I wonder if they they kind of wanted to film more with Kobe, but then he he passed away before they they could do more because it was such a kind of a brief glimpse of the interview with with Kobe. I thought they could do more, and they they probably just couldn't because of his untimely passing, which is pretty sad when you think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love seeing those clips just inside the locker room, all-star, you know, with Grant Hill, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, all those guys I remember from when I was little. Um, but it was clear Jordan was still the alpha dog and he just went all out and still won the MVP with all those younger guys kind of going at Such an alpha. I mean, and the way he's, I thought it was hilarious the way he talked in the huddle and he says, uh, he says that little boy from LA is going to try to take everybody one-on-one. <laughs> he wouldn't pass him the basketball. if he was on his... <laughs> to, to be fair, I, Kobe did not shoot a very high percentage in, in the late nineties. I mean, he was not an efficient player. So I think Jordan had something there, but he still had, he still had game. Certainly. Um, they go into the, the dream team in the championship. They, they won. I, I just thought it was a fascinating, just little understory oh. about how they just beat the crap out of Tony Kukoc. Tony. Yeah. And it was the first game and they just destroyed him. It was personal because we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but how Kukoc, the understanding was he was going to come to the league, play for the Bulls, and immediately be making more money than Scottie Pippen. Right. Who at the time, you know, as I've said before, arguably the greatest two-way player of all time. It's insane that contract, but they just beat the crap out of him. And I just thought it really showed his heart that in the second, in the championship game, he played them well enough that MJ spoke respectfully of him after the game. That was, that was a wow moment. I didn't yeah. know that, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and looking back at it, I remember Kukoc is kind of like a bit player from that team, but looking at his stats, I mean, he was averaging high teens, like 16, 17 points a game for multiple mm-hmm. years. Like he was a good NBA player. And like you said, on that uh, on that team, was it is it Croatia? I think it was, it was Croatia. Croatia, maybe Slovakia. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. One one of those Eastern European countries that kind of got split off. Um, I don't think they had any other NBA talent. He was kind of alone, whereas the NBA Dream Team had all those guys. So yeah, that second game where he stepped it up and played well, that was pretty cool to see Kukoc do that and, and man up. Yeah, um, and yeah, just the Dream Team. They were so good. They just added to the mythos of Michael Jordan. And, you know, I think at the beginning, at the end of that episode, you start seeing how his celebrity is really, really building. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of segues into episode six, if you're ready to go there, unless you had anything else with episode five. No, I mean, it was kind of, he was kind of did Clyde Drexler a little bit dirty with the trailblazers in that series. Like, oh, you know, Clyde was getting compared to me. So I had to just tear him down and destroy him. But, you know, being from Houston, you know, Clyde Drexler, won a couple championships here. So he was a really nice guy, but even if you, even if other people are comparing you to Jordan, Jordan just has to go after you and destroy you. And that's kind of what they did to the trailblazers and, and Clyde Drexler. So it was so personal for him. That was what's been so fast. So, so very personal. Um, All of these things he did to motivate himself. And it's almost not like it was motivating himself. He seriously was, insulted by the fact that you would mention Clyde Drexler, who was a, I believe, first ballot NBA Hall of Famer. Right. Um, in the same breath as Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, it's it wasn't like he put this on or tried to... Some players, you feel like they need to use something to motivate themselves. He wasn't using it. It just, it just did. It was just this natural thing inside of himself that pissed him off at this level that he was going to personally like hurt this person individual almost that was being compared to him. So yeah, it's just again, adding to hit the legend of Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, but the, the sons, I, I love the Charles Barkley getting some shine in episode six. Uh, kind of like you said, that the first time he ever felt like someone was better than him on a basketball court, which is fascinating. Like Charles Barkley is a great player, but I mean, I don't think he's, was as good. He played against magic. He played against bird, even like a Carl Malone, Sean, like Sean Kemp, he's probably been Sean Kemp, but bottom line is Barkley was not the second best player in that air, but it took, you know, George just dominating him in the finals to finally admit that there was someone better than him. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I have uh, written down that he he's underrated for the sheer reason that he was unable to do what anyone was, which was beat Jordan when he was on the court. Mm-hmm. Nobody beat Jordan when he was in his prime on the court. And for some reason, we look at Charles Barkley as lesser 
because he was unable to do what nobody did. So yeah, if, if anything, it definitely made me rethink where I have Charles Barkley as far as, you know, these greats go, because I did, I have him down a notch because, Oh, well, he never won championship. And I, we brought up the, how Draymond Green had talked shit to him about that. And it really made me think I would, you know, I'm like Charles Barkley is far and away a better basketball player than Draymond Green ever will be. Right. You, you, you know, put Draymond Green on that Suns team from 92. They, they probably win like 30 games. Like it was not a cast of all stars. Yeah, no, it was not certainly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was also about Jordan, you know, starting to get mobbed wherever he goes. And we've talked about this, how social media allows you to be more connected to these people these days. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I cannot for the life of me, I can't think of somebody that would come close to being mobbed the way Jordan is. I understand Leonardo DiCaprio probably can't go grocery shopping or to a little dinner without a secure, small security detail. Um, but the way that people were un, you know, just surrounding him constantly, it's, it's something that I don't think we'll ever see again, yeah. frankly. Um, yeah, I think what you had in the notes there kind of about um, social media, giving us more access to these guys, like, and that makes sense, right? In the in the 90s, these people were so hungry for more information, and all they got was those little snippets from the locker room or his walk from the hotel. That would be all you see of Jordan. Whereas today, LeBron's, you know, on Instagram or, or sending out little video clips. So you're getting updates all the time from these guys, whereas Jordan was kind of a mystery, and any glimpse you got into his life was kind of a big deal, and that's why he was so mobbed. Yeah. It's so true, too. I mean, it's just there's nobody today that I could think of that would come close to that, you know, that couldn't go anywhere without a thousand people literally in a crowd around them. Yeah. And um, they talked about how he goes on this trip to Atlantic City yeah. when, they're, when they're down um, to the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I would argue that that wouldn't happen today because of the media i think that he would have left the parking lot and it would have been a breaking story and he would have been interviewed walking out of his limo in atlantic city you know what i mean right so the fact that it happened is just it's it's hilarious because he <laughs> went and did it and it's it's crazy because it was another instance of this where to me this was my take on it it almost felt like the new york media felt like they had him right where they wanted it right. and they felt like jordan in this moment of weakness went to loss or, or went to, I'm sorry, went to, uh, where did he, Atlantic city, Atlantic city and yeah. went and had a, a gambling binge session because he couldn't deal with playing the New York Knicks. <laughs> and it, was, it did the opposite effect where they were writing all these pieces on him, trying to take him down. And they thought that he would wither at this for some reason. And he just, the team rallied around him and he ended up having one of the greatest performances of his career. And they they end up coming back and destroying the Knicks in large part as Jordan is almost like, oh, this is what you think. OK, F you then, you know, it's again, the whole thing has been really just a Michael Jordan puff piece. almost. <laughs> but I, I honestly thought his response to it was was pretty awesome. He's like, I, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem. If I had a gambling problem, I'd be asking you for money. I'd be bankrupt. But I honestly think that's true. Like, he was betting over how close he could throw a quarter to a cup or something with his security guards. Like, the guy has a competition problem, but he was definitely not gambling outside of his means, right? Like, he never went bankrupt. He never had to to do any of that kind of stuff. He was betting thousands and thousands of dollars, but he was good for it because he was making millions. So, I, I, I thought Jordan's defense in that was actually pretty believable. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think he had a gambling problem. It just added to all this. Um, it, it was kind of the beginning of this idea that this was the chink in his armor. That, yeah, he's got this gambling problem. And this is this is the thing that takes down this hero, you know. Right. Which we clearly I think that was probably looked upon way more negatively in the late 90s. Right? I think in 2020, gambling is much more accepted. And, you know, with... DraftKings and everything like that, fantasy football. I think everyday people understand gambling, but back in the nineties was kind of this evil thing that only scumbags did. Yeah. 
no, I didn't even think about it from that angle. But that's a great point that today sports betting, um, I would lump marijuana use in with that. It's almost looked at. It's definitely looked at less bad than it was back in the 90s, which it would have been illegal everywhere except for Las Vegas and Atlantic City, I guess. I would assume in the 90s. Yeah, um, I think that's right. But I, I think that's also a great segue into our guest, Brian O'Connor, talking about gambling, not a controversial topic, right? I mean, he, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing, actually, in 2020. It is. It's a perfectly legal thing we can talk about, um, <laughs> which I always appreciated Brent Musburger, who would go out of his way to discreetly make comments about gambling that oh, yeah. I didn't understand until I started getting older. And I just thought that was just the coolest. Oh, it's great. It's like some, thing some people do. will find that score very interesting. I'm like, seven-year-old Nate was like, what does he mean by yeah, that? I don't know. And I older, I, it just blew my mind. And there would be times, especially as I got into, my, into high school, and I would be Googling the line all of a sudden. Like, what, what's he talking about? What does Brent Musburger know that I don't? <laughs> so, our special gambling insider, Brian O'Connor, coming to you live from New York City. Brian, how are you today? How is everything? How are you and your I'm family? I'm doing well, Nate. My family is doing well. My brother, actually, who lives in California, uh, he had tested positive for COVID a couple of weeks ago, but he's all good now. And everybody else has just uh, been quarantined and staying healthy. That's awesome. Um, you said he was. You said he was asymptomatic. I think too. Correct. We talked on the on the phone about this. Yeah. But yeah. That's uh, that's insane, man. I'm I'm glad he's doing better. That was going to be one of my big questions to you. We were we wanted to ask you what what it's like living in New York in this because for us you know joe's down in texas me and matt we're stationed here in south bend so it's a smaller i guess it's more conservative they're starting to open things up for you're at the epicenter of all of this um so how's it affected you and uh what are you seeing do you feel like stuff's starting to open up i know on our end we do, well but yeah most importantly for me personally golf courses opened up two weeks ago so that's kind of been a major saving grace <laughs> for me but um, other than that, especially I'm actually I'm uh, on Long Island, and what they've basically said about Long Island is that we're behind basically everywhere else. So they're getting to a point. I think it's going to be like in mid June where they start uh, slowly but surely opening things up. But Long Island is even lagging behind that and might not be able to open up uh, till past that. So it's a lot of uncertainty around here. That's for sure. Really? So you guys on Long Island, it's it's worse off than than in, in other parts um, of New York well, City? Well, the city and right? Long Island, I'd say, are about uh, on par with each other. The city's probably a little worse, obviously, because you have so many more people concentrated in smaller areas. But, um, yeah, in ter- you know, New York, you know, we had just right off the bat when this first started, all the international travelers that come in through JFK, it's such a hub for that kind of travel. So, you know, we were behind the eight ball right from the get-go. Yeah. No, it's been, I mean, we've been following the numbers and the New York numbers are obviously just, it's, it's you know, it's disgusting, frankly. It's how far how much worse it you guys have it than anybody else has seen. So, I mean, yeah, man, we're praying for you guys, you know, I mean, we Appreciate love you guys. It. We're hoping, hoping for the best. I'm glad, I'm glad your brother's better. That was going to be my big question. Cause I know you said he tested positive and he was asymptomatic and he was self quarantining with his girlfriend. I believe you said, um, but yeah, yeah well, I'm glad was, to hear everything. What was better. weird is Let that uh, he tested positive, but his girlfriend didn't. So that was kind of bizarre. Wow. Are they having issues then? Uh, yeah, they then? they actually they also moved into a new place recently. But, I, you know, they had been together like pretty much through once my brother got tested positive, you know, they started saying like at their own places. But uh, since then, they've oh, okay. moved okay. in together um, and they haven't had any problems. So. That's, how did he even get tested if he was asymptomatic, just kind of a thing for work or just he had come into contact with somebody that had lived in his building who 
and it turned out I don't even think had it, but was hospitalized with all these like symptoms. And yeah, that didn't make any sense okay. to me. But so that's how he uh, yeah. qualified, I guess, uh, to take the test. And yeah, it turned out he had it. Luckily, that happened. Yeah, that's great. It's great that he's okay and great that he was able to stay away from other people too. Um, you guys want to get into, so we got, we just want to pick your brain basically, Brian, because I mean, we, I have no little to no familiarity with, um, horse racing and how it works. And my understanding is you've had some success to put it mildly with betting the ponies recently, which is one of the few things you can do. Um, so can you just give us an idiot's guide to betting ponies and how you've had success with that and where you've had success. All right, with that, I you guess. Got it. Well, yeah, the success is, uh, it's been few and far between recently, but I'll explain why. Um, Ooh. basically what it starts is I start off with a subscription to it's called daily racing form. And what daily racing form gives me is they're called speed figures for horses. So you can look at all their past races and they basically earn a score. It's almost like like a player rater type of score. Um, so based on like okay. how fast they ran like a certain race. And so it kind of like uh, you can kind of compare horses like across different races. Um, you know, it factors in like certain things like the track condition and like obviously like the average speed of the race that, that was uh, run. But so that gives me the speed wow. figures. That's where it all starts. How I like, you know, learn at least something about these horses. So I'm not just like picking, you know, who has the best name in each race. Um, and then there are two ways we're, we're betting first it, where we had all of our success was in what was the matchups. It was individual matchups within a race. And so our websites would give us multiple matchups for each race. Sometimes horses would be like in multiple matchups and we were having a lot of success finding, uh, you know, just picking who was the better horse with comparing their speed figures. Um, and then that went away, which I'll get into. The other way, which is the, your traditional way of betting horses, which is how everybody, you know, down at the track does it, is, you know, just betting on the winners or exactas, which is the order of, you know, picking the order of the first two finishers or trifectas, which is the order of the first three finishers. So those are more like the exotic bets and obviously your standard to win bets. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, from my quick Google searching, like win, play, show, exacta, double, those were kind of the things that popped up. But that head-to-head, just based on your research, sounds a little more kind of scientific where you're looking at the speed fingers and you're saying – this horse is clearly better than this horse. That sounds a little less uh, luck of the draw. Yeah, so I, I agree. And it, it played out with how we were doing. Um, we, you know, we were, we were crushing the matchups, but then they got, they essentially got taken away from us pr- pretty much because of how well we were doing. Mm. Like they, they just cut you. It's not that they were not available, but the book just said, you guys are winning too much. We can on one, ac- bets on, on one account. Yeah. Um, they just disappeared. No explanation from the bookie. The site, like, you know, it's like a third-party offshore site that offers them. That disappeared. Yeah. And then I have I have a good story for what happened uh, on another. I... Yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I was going to ask you. So you, you'd gotten... You'd gotten cut off almost from a bookie, is my understanding, because you were, you were doing so well. You and your friends if I'm correct, we're, we're doing really well with that particular sort of bet you were just talking about and what exactly happened. Brian, you still there? Brian. I still still hear you guys. (laughs) Okay. We can hear you. You're good. Okay. All right. You're back. All right. So, over the course of one week, and, you know, keep in mind, this is quarantine work from home. So any track that's running races, we're betting essentially every single race, which is, you know, it's, a, it's at least 30 bets a day. And we were hitting for a week, I would say, at about <laughs> 90%. Yeah. What? 
Even like sixty percent in gambling is amazing, but ninety percent. Yeah, that's, that's well, that's man. that's what the the bookie started at uh, <laughs> asking us about. Um, so we were at ninety percent. I'd say we were into the guy for like about ten grand, and he we get a call. Uh, we one of our friends is basically like the go between between us and the bookie. We get a call from my friend that like this, you know, so the guy thinks something's going on. Like he's looking over the bets, you know, he might not honor them. And when it <laughs> turned out the guy, what he told us was that he got a sharp action report. And, you know, these bookies uh, aren't, you know, they don't take sharp bets, which he took, could have totally made up for all I know. But he was saying, oh, these mm-hmm. were flagged as sharp bets. Like these are what sharps in Vegas were betting. And I'm not honoring these bets. And he basically paid us. He paid us out very little, and just shut us down. Took away our accounts. Wow. And that's that's silly. I feel like because sharps. I mean, they're betting even more. Than oh yeah, you know we're right? doing. We're, we were out, betting, you know, like a hundred bucks a race or something like that. You know, sharps bet way way more than that. But it's just the the betting pattern, I yeah. guess. But. The I guess the silver lining of it was that we like we can call ourselves sharps of horse racing matchups. So, but I'd rather have the money. But <laughs> yeah, I would think so. But yeah, at least you have the compliment. I guess yeah. So it was a, it was a nice run. It was fun while it lasted. And now I've we've uh, we've toiled away a little bit uh, on the race book, which is not nearly as exact as science. That's tough. So that. That's fascinating to me. How did? That's awesome that you can say that, though. I guess that is the one upside. You yeah, say I gotta get some. I gotta get something out of it. And you, you, you think it was BS? It feels like it was BS from this guy because, like Joe brought up, you, 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 and your friends were not betting large, large dollar value amounts. It was small bets that it right. added up over time. Mm-hmm. And wow, that's brutal. Yeah. That's, it, I, it was an interesting uh, couple days, that's for sure. There was a lot of uh, investigation. We might have thought it was an inside job for a second, but I think we we cleared we cleared our one friend of all charges. <laughs> now, are there any alternative sites that you could go to for similar matchups, or is that kind of the one outlet that you had? There are those? through like the legal racing, like horse racing is legal, like everywhere, like so. Um, Mm-hmm. There are like New York state specific websites or other just uh, general horse racing ones that, you know, you have to like register, like, you know, you pay taxes on it basically. So you can sure. go do those matchups, but those are so much like those matchups are so much sharper. Like they only offer like one matchup per race and they know it's against like two horses that they don't, there's no edge basically. There's no edge there with the matchups we were getting on the other sites. um, You know, there were multiple matchups and horses would be matched up, you know, two or three different times even. So you could really like find the one that was uh, lopsided. Interesting. It's fascinating. I think it's, I think it's awesome that they have the, the pony player ratings. That's something that I never would have known. And I always wondered, how you compared ponies other than I was like, do you just look at the name <laughs> and you're like, Oh, that guy's got a cool name. I'll bet him. I was like, Yeah. Oh, I mean, look, we should call up EA sports like pony racing 2021. Yeah, exactly. already for you. There is some <laughs> app. My, my boy that I, that uh, one of my roommates that uh, I do all of this with, he's, you know, even like more into it than I am, honestly. Um, he has some app where like you bring up like your horse through the ranks and you race it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's hilarious. Well, um, that could be a good segue. We were going to go into Joe's bets of the week, which could be some easier, probably easier bets to, to pick than what yeah, you've been dealing with, I would guess. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, if you want to add anything, if you have any line, I mean, it's pretty much over-unders at right. this point, you know, Brian, obviously. Um, but well, if you had Nate, anything, Nate, you got it. I went. I went a little different this week. I, I went NBA. Oh, okay. okay, I went NBA. Right. I, I've been sticking to NFL, college football, more my comfort zone. But NBA, I thought there was some good stuff out there. Um, so my first one to win the Eastern Conference, 
the Toronto Raptors at plus 800. So hear me out here. They're the number two seed, like you said earlier. There's kind of a disrespect factor going on there. I mean, they still have Lowry, Siakam, Ibaka. Uh, the, the three seed Celtics were actually slotted above them at plus 650. So the Raptors are getting eight to one odds. The Bucks are still a little unproven. I think this this time off, you give people with experience, the defending champs, a little bit of an edge here. They may be a little tougher mentally. So the Raptors at eight to one odds to win the Eastern Conference. That's my first pick. All right, I I'm okay with it. What are the what are the Bucks? Do you know what the Bucks are by any chance? The Bucks are stupid. The Bucks are negative. Like the Bucks are minus okay. two twenty five. So I don't see any value in that. That put that the value for it's good. Then I agree yeah. with that. I do think that the Bucks will come out of the Eastern Conference, so I think it is tough. But the the bang for your buck at eight to one on the defending Eastern Conference, I team, think. I like. I think there's what actually think, some bro? value on the Celtics too. I I don't know. I've always I've been a fan Ooh. of their okay. their core and uh, Brown and Tatum like in, in separate playoffs, but in the playoffs, nonetheless, have both shown that they can really rise to the occasion. I think it was with Tatum's rookie year, right? When he had, I think he had a really good playoffs. And Jalen mm-hmm. Brown, it might have been like his second or third year, and he had a really nice playoffs. So I think, uh, I think the Celtics are definitely a team. They got the depth too that they could get hot for a little bit. So, and I do like the Raptors too. They're definitely getting disrespected. So I think both of those teams is a little value, especially because of the Bucks. I mean, Chris, if Chris Middleton's your best, your second best player, that's still that's an issue. It was an issue last year, and it's still an issue for them now. Yeah, that makes sense. I think take them both, right? You take one at plus 800, one at plus 650, either one hits. You're kind of just betting against the Bucks at that point. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a good way to bet against the uh, against the Bucks, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely I like I like betting on both of them. Yeah, because if they're if they end up the two and the three seeds, they're not going to play each other until the con- or wait, no, they would Yeah. It's a great no, I'm point. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, they could go team, end yeah. up heads up, but then you know theoretically you can get one of them in. You'd guarantee yourself one of them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, my my other two were kind of out there. They're moved to the Western Conference. I had the Mavericks to win the West at plus twenty five hundred, twenty five to one odds. I mean, I I know that's Lakers, Clippers all the way there, but uh, I love Doncic. Porzingis. I mean, they're getting better with age. The chemistry is building there. 25 to 1 odds. You don't have a lot to lose. And kind of coupling that in there with the Thunder at 50 to 1. Chris Paul's made some magic happen there. Um, they're long shots. I mean, there's really no value in the Lakers or the Clippers. I think they're both around like plus 150-ish, depending on where you look. Um, so just kind of those long shots there in the West with the Mavericks and the Thunder were kind of interesting to me. Especially with that slock out. I mean, the, the, the two months off is going to throw some wrenches and things. So I think there's a little more chaos potentially that could happen um, with the playoffs. But those are my long shots. I thought they were kind of fun. I like – I think I like the Mavs as a long shot. I mean, they're just a really fun team. You know, Chris Stapps and Luca. The last, I believe, televised NBA game was a Mavs game that I now wish I hadn't fallen asleep watching because <laughs> I did. I, at the time I was like, Oh, it'll be two or three weeks. I won't care. And now I'm like, good Lord. Why did I not stay up? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, that was our last game. It was our last day. <laughs> it could have been the last NBA game I saw in 2020. So, um, yeah, I like the Maz, but the thunder, ah, I don't know. That's tough with Chris Paul. That's a real long shot. The 50, Thunder 50, are like, 50 to one, one game out of the three seed, Nate. Like, they're right there. I don't know how they do it. They're like, what's their second best player? Like, Shea Gilders Alexander. But it's 50 to one odds. You're not risking oh too much God. there. I didn't realize that they were they were the five seed currently for some reason. I yeah. thought they were like the seven or. They're right up seed. there, man. They're right up there. They're, they're, they're two and a half games out of the three seed. So, like, they're, they're within spitting distance. Good Lord. I have a tough yeah. time get looking past right. any of the I, L.A. I, teams I, in the West. Uh, I just – I don't know. I, I think it's going to be one I, of those two. I, I agree. I mean, and the odds reflect that, but I couldn't go in there with the L.A. teams. That's just – that's too chalky <laughs> for this segment. Let's uh, – 
before before we get to the social media story of the week, I do want to ask you, Brian or uh, Joe. I'm sorry. I wanted to throw your Houston Rockets in there. We had a little part earlier, Brian, where we talked about winners and losers if the NBA season is canceled today. You know, I, guess I think there's a league that's the highest risk still of getting canceled, personally, more than the NFL or the NBA. Um, you could argue the NHL might be higher than them. But, um, what do you think about your Rockets, Joe, as a winner or loser? Because this is seen as the do-or-die season for them. I almost view them as a winner. I don't think they were really? going to come out of the West. I don't think they. I don't think they were going to. I don't think they were even going to make the Western Conference Finals. Frankly, I mean, okay. what the sixth seed? And if they didn't do that, I think the season is a wash. They're firing their coach. They're definitely firing their GM since they already got into it with China. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on your 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 Rockets? Because uh, Brian, just some context. Joe Joe's from Houston, and we've been to multiple Rockets games together at this point, including seeing the Baby Warriors the year before they won the champ mm. their first championship, I believe. Right? Yeah. 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 We were sitting in the cheap seats for like five dollars a ticket. It was a good time. Um, that's that's a very cynical way of looking at it, Nate. But <laughs> I don't I don't think you're wrong there. I mean, I don't think the Rockets had a chance of making it past the conference semifinals this year. So what you're saying is basically they, they got a pass and like, oh, we would have done great things if the season wasn't canceled. So they're getting kind of a pass here. Um, so that makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're from Houston, but they're admittedly kind of an awful team to watch. I do not like the way Harden plays. Westbrook's entertaining, but he's not a good team player in my opinion. So uh, I think this is over and it's almost time to rebuild unfortunately with with Harden and Westbrook starting to get into their early to mid 30s at this point so so here's that but they're not really a winner I guess they're just maybe less of a loser yeah I agree no they're definitely yeah less less (laughs) of a loser is a good way to put it but here's here's I'll open this up to both of you guys what do you think you do with um D'Antonio and their their GM um, and I'm blanking on their team name, even though he's on center. Daryl Morey? Yeah, Daryl Morey. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you do with them? Because I think both of their contracts are up, and Daryl Morey obviously got into it with China this year, and that was a whole – we thought that was a big deal at the time. Clearly it wasn't in retrospect. Um, yeah. But I believe – I looked it up, and I believe Harden and, and Russ are both under contract – for three more seasons. Cause I think Russ is on, I think Harden's under contract for at least three more seasons. And Russ is under contract with two more with like a $40 million player option in the third right. season. So he's going to take that. <laughs> so why not? Why would you not take that? What do you, what do you want to do? Do you want them to bring the coach and GM back? I mean, Daryl Morey has showed himself to be bold and ready and willing to fire if nothing else it's just going to be tough because how are you going to rebuild with those contracts i guess yeah i mean i maury's been around for a while i have more confidence in him than than d'antonio but uh, yeah it's i just don't see Harden and westbrook leading them to a championship and at this point it's pretty hard to tank with them under contract for three years so it's it's pretty bleak you're like kind of you're not necessarily caught in the the seven eight seed range, but you're caught in like the three four seed range where your your best hope is maybe sneaking into a conference finals. But it's uh, it's a little bit of purgatory for Nate, sure. Nate, when you were talking about the Rockets uh, being quote unquote winners of a sh- if the season didn't continue, I, I my mind went right to Maury and D'Antoni, thinking that this you know I think it would buy them another year at least, and I I think that they've done enough that like how many coach i feel like just every nba coach stinks that gets hired like like <laughs> there's a good chance like Maybe. the guy's just gonna stinks so i feel like it, especially a guy like harden who's you know i guess you know you describe maybe a little ex- eccentric you got a guy that you know it works with uh I, I don't think i would uh i would touch that situation in terms of getting rid of guys i would let it play out with the vision that Maury's and D'Antoni have set over the last few years and ride or die with that. I think that was, uh, that was going to, that was my point definitely is that I think if this goes down, if it were to be canceled, 
let's say it were, I think they would both end up with like one year contracts or something, like that, <laughs> you know, and it would just be understood that, look, you like you said, you got to pass because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. essentially. So if that were to happen, I would definitely include um, D'Antoni and Daryl Morey in my winners in that scenario. So, yeah. Um, do we want to do Joe? Do you have any social media stories of the week? Because I am bereft this week. You tapped me out uh, last week. I, I found one. It was just it was kind of a feel good story. Usually we t- kind of take more of a humorous look at this, but this guy Toshua Parker. Toshua is, is a terrible name, but this guy's doing great stuff <laughs> in Alaska. Um, he's he's taking a boat fifty miles every week to Juneau, which is the capital of Alaska. I guess he's in some remote part of Alaska. It's taken him 14 hours to take this boat. He's just getting supplies, all the groceries he can to take back to his little Alaska community so they can still eat. They can still do whatever they're doing in northern Alaska. Um, So Tasha Parker, a little bit of a hero here in the the pandemic, braving those Alaskan seas just to get, get to that Costco and get his people supplied. So props to you, Tasha. Nice. Feel good. Feel good. Social media story. I like it. Yeah, braver man than me. Um. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, um, I think that was everything. Unless you had anything else you wanted to we're bring just gonna, up, Joe or Brian. We're gonna let DeAndre Baker no, I, flood. Go ahead, bro. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. No. This is gonna be. I gotta write down this time now because we gotta edit that. Because no, I have to. I have to ask you. All right. No, don't edit it. It came up organically by the yeah. old man's admission. Let let him talk about the yeah that. So what do you what what's going on, Brian? Give us some inside info because everybody it looks like he's a fucking idiot. I'm not gonna lie. Doesn't look um, great. Do you is there? He was he was pretty good too last year, right? Like I understand he's a rookie, but he was gonna potentially start for them. Do we think it's just because it's partially pandemic? You have all these NFL players in the past like 48 hours. You had Ed Oliver down in Houston. Um, he got a DWI, I think, and he had a he had a unregistered handgun on him. You got Baker and Dunbar, you know, dominant together apparently. And uh, the wide receiver for the Broncos, the Redskins, it was Latimer, um, former Giants. Yeah, it was Mike. Yeah, he is. Yep, yeah. And he just got popped for um, assault and battery, yeah. I believe. What are you? What do you think about Baker? What did you think about his last season? And where does he, where does he, because the Giants, I believe, banned him from meetings. So where do you think he stands? Do you think he could come out of this and still be a New York Giant? Or is this, is this potentially a career? Well, it's tough to say because we don't know how much of like Joe Judge is going to like try and do like the Bill Belichick here. Like, you know, I'm sure Belichick would have no qualms about cutting a guy who who was he was not good last year, but it was mostly in zone coverage. He was like absolutely lost in zone and but like could play some decent man coverage. And he started like every game last year and is supposed was, you know, supposed to be our starting corner this year. But what I think happened with him is it's what I'm hearing is that he apparently had lost some money gambling with these guys. And what it sounded like was more of like a pride issue than like, I need money kind of issue that it was, you know, they were trying to save some face (laughs) and, you know, obviously the lawyer has come out and said, you know, they have all this uh, exculpating evidence that's going to show, you know, he didn't do it. He wasn't involved. So who knows, you know, it's obviously it's all alleged stuff. But to me, the story that, you know, was told what happened that brought on the charges seems more of like it was a pride thing than, you know, I need to I need money. Hmm. It's It's insane to me when stuff like that happens with these guys. And I almost look at. Um, I definitely look at Quentin Dunbar as I'm like, dude, you're a guy, you've gotten that second contract. You should be looking out for this dude. You shouldn't be buddying up with him and, you know, trying to get back gambling losses. That's insane to me, you know? So I guess that's my one little take on it. I'm, I'm almost, I mean, he's an idiot if this is all the way it went down. 
But at the same time, I look at Quentin Dunbar and I'm like, hey, man, because they were both from Miami, yeah. right? Yeah. That was mm. their connection. So I'm like, this is – you got to look out for this guy, man. I mean, he's probably, what, six, seven, eight years younger than you? He's looking at you in some form of a leadership role. It's sad to me. I mean, the whole the whole story is crazy, but um, – It sounded yeah, like so. Baker was the one well, that was, like, the leader – of it, which you know, maybe that shows good leadership skills. I don't know. That's what the Giants need, man. That's that's what I'm talking about. This guy's ultra competitive, great. Yeah, player. I mean, this he, he can motivate player. another man to commit a an armed robbery. You know, maybe he'll be wearing. Maybe the charge is all clear, and he'll be wearing that C on his jersey. There you go. Yeah, he's the next Plastico Bears. For sure. Yeah, they have the same <laughs> lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I think it I don't think it was the uh the gun charges lawyer that Plaxico had when he when he shot himself and careened our back-to-back <laughs> Super Bowl bid which would have happened but yeah. Oh, wow. The Giants best team was the year after uh they beat the Patriots the first time but Plaxico was like the the whole glue to their offense and once he shot himself in the leg everything kind of collapsed under itself. That yeah, it was really, really good. good. I think I had Eli peak, peak Eli. Actually, yeah. peak, peak, peak Eli all over the yeah. place. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, that was great. Do we have any more thoughts or anything else to add, Joe? No, I think our producer was was KIA, but we kept going, kept this train going. Did Mac get KIA because he was going to do the outro? That's fine. Nah, that's all good. Um. Do you want to do the outro, or do you want me to do the outro? You got it, Nate. All right. give, Brian, give Brian a proper send off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. I will. All right, we're gonna we're gonna end it, Brian, and then we'll just uh, we'll all just log off the call, and we'll send you a Sweet. copy of the pod here um, in a little bit. All right. Well, that's all, folks. This has been the Sports Plead with Nate Dar and Joe Timler, Matt Arnold, our producer, and special guest Brian O'Connor. We all thank you for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. Thank you.